You are the most creative being in the world as far as you're concerned. Think about it. Something simple as your eyelashes. How much time, energy and effort did you have to consciously put into, invest into developing eyelashes? I'm talking about the natural stuff, not the fake plasticky or whatever the materials they use. Your natural eyelashes. 99.999% of people on the planet will probably say zero, big fat zero time was spent on developing the eyelashes. And yet they were created. How did that happen? Your eyelashes were developed, were created because of the energy field that you live in. It has the information and the intention to create it. What would happen if you could consciously start creating your reality? In this 12-part series of self-mastery, we are going to explore your creative genius. I'm not talking about the law of attraction. I'm talking about true creativity. Think about this for a second. 37,000 billion, that's by the way, 12 zeros after 37, 37,000 billion chemical reactions are taking place in your body every single second. And you don't even have to pay attention to most of them. Without those reactions taking place, you would not exist. So where does this information come from? It is in your energy field or your energy body. Most people enter the world of work or business and through trial and error, they will go through life and maybe they find their true purpose, their true calling in life. The truth is most people don't actually discover that, not consciously speaking, but the few who do go on to make a massive difference to the people, to the planet. They leave a big legacy. Sometimes the legacy might be as big as just for your family and sometimes it might be as big as the world. So just think of the Nelson Mandela's of the world, people like Mahatma Gandhi, Anita Roddick. They all found their purpose. They all had a calling that they followed. In this episode, we are going to explore how do you tap into that great genius, that great creative genius. Now, in terms of creativity, there are multiple levels. There's creativity and there's creativity. So one level of creativity is, for example, you take a jigsaw puzzle. It might be a thousand pieces or a hundred pieces. It doesn't matter. You have those jigsaw puzzles and there are fixed number of pieces there. And the end result, the end solution is only one. You can't make, well, <laughs> you can't make the jigsaw puzzle other than what it's meant to look like, right? And then there's also problems that you may have solved in the past. You've seen a problem that exists and you've seen another problem that you that exists and you've seen the solution being created from that and you use that past knowledge to deal with a new up-to-date problem. Okay, so that's one level of creativity. The creativity I'm talking about is at another level altogether. Let me give you an example. In 1993, I was at university studying economics and at this time, I had my first desktop computer. I remember it really well. It was a Dell computer. I noticed a number of things with that computer. It had a microphone, it had speakers, and it had a connection at the back of the computer, which looked very similar to connection that you would put on a telephone. 
And I thought to myself, hmm, what if I can connect through cables my computer to the telephone network? And what if my uncle in Bangladesh could do the same? Now, these are the times where making international telephone calls were very expensive. So I thought, well, if he could do the same in Bangladesh and I could do the same, we can communicate with each other for free. And I thought, wow, I really thought on that. This would be amazing. But what did I do about it? Absolutely nothing. This was in 1993. Fast forward 2003 and a company which did exactly that that I described got created. The name? Skype. That company went on to become a multi-billion dollar company and the rest, as they say, is history. Why did I not do anything about it? Because I thought to myself, I don't know how I'm going to fix this. I don't know how to work on computers like that. I'm not a computer engineer. I'm not a telephone engineer. Leave it alone. That was not the first time that's happened to me. I can give you many, many stories and I bet you, you've probably done the same. So the question is, did I have that thought and somebody else pick up on it or did something else happen? Let me introduce you to the world of morphogenic fields. Imagine there's a cloud of information around the whole planet and you, my friend, directly are able to tap into that cloud and so am I. The difference between me tapping into the cloud and the guy who invented Skype tapping into the cloud was this. He may or may not have known how to resolve the problem, but what he did was he took action. I let the fact that I didn't know how stop me from taking action. This isn't what you would call luck. It isn't what you call chance. It is what you call a synchronicity. And we have synchronicities happening to us day in, day out. You may have heard the saying, oh my goodness, she's so lucky. She's always successful. She's always at the right place at the right time. But did you know that you are at the right place at the right time thousands of times in your life, but you're too busy with your head to the grindstone that you don't notice all the synchronicities coming your way. Or you're too busy looking at the stop sign, stop, I don't know this, I don't know how to do this, that you miss the green sign. And so the morphogenic field is something that was coined by Dr. Rupert Sheldrake, a evolutionary biologist. And here's how it works. Have you ever seen Canadian geese fly together in formation? They'll go in a certain direction and then they'll suddenly change. How are they communicating with each other? There might be 10, 20, 30 of them in that V formation. Are they saying, hey, Fred, turn left. Hey, Joe, turn left. It doesn't work like that. Or you may have seen a school of fish on a nature documentary where you see thousands of fish swimming in one direction and suddenly they take a sharp left or go up or go down. It's not that they're talking to each other. It's because they're in this field of information that they're all tuned into. Now we, you and I, have been programmed from the get-go, from when we were very little, to tune ourselves out. We have the capability to tap into genius and creativity beyond ourselves. You see, the information that you know, you know, everything that you learned at school, read from books, watched books, watched uh, seminars and so on, all of those things are very limited compared to all the information out there in the world. You cannot ever possibly know 
everything by learning directly yourself. So you've got to leverage this. How do you leverage genius? Of course, at one level, say, for example, you want to be a mathematician. You can't just suddenly imagine that you're a mathematician. It doesn't work like that. You need to learn the rules of the game and everything has rules. Tip number one, tapping into genius is this. Just because you do not know the how doesn't mean you can't do it. So let, let's explain this. So I'm basing this on Chinese philosophy. You begin with the why. So in my case, the why was I would love to communicate with my family in Bangladesh at low cost or no cost at any time of the day. So that's the why. Maybe it's a bigger why. Maybe the why is using the same analogy. I would love for the world to come together to be able to communicate with each other for free without costing anybody anything for free so that they end up with better relationships. We have more peace and harmony. Maybe that's the why. So you start off with the why. It could be very small or it could be very, very global. Once you get the why, you have the purpose for doing what you're doing. That's number one. Number two is the what. What is it that you're looking to create? So you have to be very specific. So in your business, in your career, it may be you are looking to create a health practice. It may be you are looking to help people get rid of chronic health diseases or help them manage that like I do. Whatever it is, what specifically is it that you're wanting to do? What does that look like? If it's helping people with chronic health disorders, it may be I am running high-level retreats for 10 days, a detoxification retreat with all the bells and whistles. It may be that I'm running a clinic in a very specific place. Let's say London. This is what it is. And what am I doing there? I'm helping people, guiding them, mentoring them, coaching them, giving them healing. So be very specific about the what. So this is really about the vision. Have total clarity about the what. You've got the why. Now go for the what. Next thing is the who. Who is it that I'm serving? Who is it that I'm helping? Am I helping my family? Am I helping my uncle? Am I helping the, the old mothers or old fathers or parents or children? Who specifically am I serving within my own capabilities? So we went for the why, the what and the who. But don't stop there at the who. Who do I know who's already done what I'm about to do? This is where the leverage comes in. Who do I know who's already done it? Because if it's been done before, then it's not impossible. If one person can do it, then you can. Before Roger Bannister ran the four-minute mile, meaning three-minute, 59 seconds, nobody had been able to run a mile in under four minutes. And yet, within a year or two of him achieving that result, then hundreds of other runners did the same. So if one person can do it, so can you. So who do I know who's already done this? And if I don't know them directly, who do I know who might know that person directly? Sometimes this is where the network is very useful, right? Having people around you who can support you. Who do I know who can help me support these people that I'm serving? So it might be somebody who develops your website. It might be somebody who gives you business mentoring, somebody who teaches you to advertise, somebody who does the selling for you, maybe someone who teaches you how to sell. So who do I know who can help me. Then you ask the question, where 
is this going to take place? Is this something that's going to happen online? If it's online, is it going to be via social media? Am I going to create the own, my own platform? Then the when. When would I like to achieve this by? So when someone, for example, makes a New Year's resolution in, in the early part of the year, and most New Year's resolutions don't work, by the way, but that's all by the by. 93% of people fail in New Year's resolution. We'll talk about that on another episode. So you might set this New Year's resolution and say you want to achieve this by the end of the year or by the end of three months. So be very specific about your timing, but be flexible. And then finally, the last question, not the first question, the last question. This is the question, by the way, where you differentiate those who fail and those who succeed. Those who fail come to this question first and those who succeed come to it last. The last question is, how can I achieve this? How will I get this done? Some of the things you will know how to do. A lot of the things you will have no clue. And this is where you go back to, who do I know who knows how to do this? Who can guide me, support me, or I can pay them to do it. So why, what, who, where, when, and the when might include over what time period, and then finally the how. That, my friend, understanding the seasons will help you to tap into a greater level of creativity and creation. It's all well and good having ideas. Unless you put it into action, then it's just an idea, which is all well and good. But how many people do you know who've just come up with ideas and have done nothing with it and just let their song go with them to the grave? So it's time for action. So that's the very early stage. Now, how do you tap into the morphogenic field? Several ways. Number one, it's the ability for you to silence the nagging monkey brain, the monkey chatter or whatever you want to call it, getting that to silence or at least cut the chatter out or cut it down. So how do you do that? Stillness. Pause for a moment. Notice how still you are. Are you thinking or are you just noticing? And I have to say the only way to do it, for most people it's not natural, because it takes practice, the only way to do it is through meditation. It's just to practice being silent. If you're too busy talking, then you're not listening to the silence because your mouth is making too much noise. If you're too busy listening to everybody and anybody, then your brain's busy. If you're too busy looking at social media, then your brain is too busy. If you're too busy researching, researching, researching and never doing, you're just researching. So meditation is a practice that brings about stillness and I always recommend people to start off working on the root chakra meditation. So if you watch yesterday's video, then you'll know what I'm talking about. The link for yesterday's video is in the description. And if you follow that, what I recommend is do the root chakra meditation. I've got a free training available. Click on the link for the free training as well. So create silence in your head because here's what happens. 
When you are able to silence or at least create space between your thoughts, then you're gonna start tuning into your own higher level creativity. It's number one, your, let's call it your higher self or your soul. You start creating answers or coming up with solutions that you never ever would have imagined on your own. So that's the first thing. Second way to do it is this. When you are working on a problem, then you look at the problem and then you ask your subconscious mind to help you out. Here's how you do it. Say, for example, I want to find more clients. I ask my subconscious mind, hey, subconscious mind, why is it easy for me to find clients? How is it that I am so effective and efficient at acquiring new clients? Or if it's a relationship, you might say, why is it so easy for me to have a happy, harmonious relationship with my partner? How can I make this relationship even more powerful? The point is this, by asking your subconscious mind these questions, you are triggering mechanisms inside of you that your subconscious has to respond to. Affirmations don't work, generally, to a degree, but not at this level. By asking these questions, you are activating the part of you which is way more bigger than your conscious mind, which will start looking for answers. And hence the importance of practicing silence, because the more silent you are, the more ready you are and able you are to be able to hear your inner voice. The next way to do it is activate something called the RAS, which is the reticular activating system. I've done this so many times consciously and unconsciously, and I know you would have as well. A couple of years ago, I went into a Jaguar sales room, Jaguar the, uh, the car, and I saw a beautiful red F-type Jaguar, and I looked at it and I thought, wow, I would look so good in that, and that would look so good around me. And I thought, but I've never seen this F-type Jaguar before. I'd never seen it in all my life. Straight after that, I was dropping a friend off to the airport, a couple of hour drive from where I was, En route, within the next hour, I saw 11 or 12 F-type red Jaguars. Was it because the car salesman phoned up all the Jaguar owners and said, hey, Harun Rabbani is driving down the motorway. Can you make sure you drive out so he spots you? Nope, that's not how it works. Because your mind is paying attention to one particular thing, so in this case, a red F-type Jag, because your attention is on that one thing, your reticular activating system filters everything out and filters in the thing that you're thinking about most, your dominating thoughts. So if your dominating thoughts are on positive, guess what you're going to get? Positive stuff. If your dominating thoughts are, yeah, it's fixable, guess what happens? You end up finding things that you find fixable. If your dominating thoughts on the other hand is, oh, I will never achieve a great relationship. All the good men are taken. I will never get myself a good job. Nobody can afford my services. If that's your thoughts and your dominating thoughts, then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Your own brain can't take in all the information and process everything as it comes in. It has to filter things out for your conscious mind to focus on. So if you'd like to take yourself to a next level of creativity, then start thinking about your tecla activating system. Where attention goes, energy flows. Or where attention goes, 
creativity flows. So this year, meaning over the next 12 months or even over the next three months, what if you took your genius and your creativity to another level? So according to Anders Ericsson, when you practice something with true focus and attention, it only takes 10,000 hours, which is still a lot of hours, 10,000 hours for you to master it. But if you practice that, that much more, maybe another couple of years more, you become a world-class genius. You, my friend, can accelerate that. Here's how. Find your purpose if you don't already know it. It's, it comes from within, by the way. We'll talk more about that on another episode. By tapping into your cause and into your why, start becoming a geek. Start becoming a genius. You know, if you only did two hours of research into one area of speciality. So in my case, I do functional medicine. I've done energy healing. Now it's functional medicine. Two hours a day, every day, seven days a week, within within a couple of years, you will have enough information equivalent to that of someone who is doing a PhD if there was just that one specific area. Of course, this means really tapping into it. Now, if you want to make a difference on a great level, on a global level, start small and start expanding it. And here's how you do it. So you research the particular area you want to geek out on. Where attention goes, energy flows. Keep your attention focused. Stage one, start writing about it. If you're not good at writing, then start creating videos like I do. So start writing about it or creating videos on a weekly basis. If you can't do it daily, definitely do it weekly basis as best as you can. It might be a blog. It might be an article. It might be a post and post it everywhere. People will comment. People will ask questions and start giving them the answers that they're looking for. You give it so much attention that you're able to start expressing what you've learned in your own language to other people, to family, to friends, and eventually start doing talks. From doing talks, you start creating workshops and seminars. By becoming a genius, here's what you do. You become the go-to person that everybody turns to. If you're working for someone, for example, in an office environment, in a factory environment, your challenge isn't to become the number one person in that company. That's how I used to think. That's not the challenge. I'm laying down a bigger challenge for you. I'm laying down the challenge that you become so good at something, a specific area, that you are the only one who can resolve the problems. You see, if you know how to fix lots of problems, then you'll always have a job. But when you learn how to fix exclusive problems that the world needs answers to, you'll always be the boss and you'll always get paid well or valued highly. It's not always about money. However, it is about value. Be a person of value. So in summary, to become somebody who is highly creative, keep these things in mind. Where attention goes, energy flows. Create silence in your head. Start finding solutions rather than fixating on the problem. Tap into the resources, the network of people around you. Don't try to figure this all by yourself, whether they be family, friends, colleagues, a mentor, a coach. If you want to pay for them, then, you know, someone like myself, you can hire mentors for your specific area. So find somebody or many bodies to support you on your goal, on your mission. And the final thing is to celebrate every step of the way. Don't wait to reach the final goal to celebrate your creativity. Celebrate it step 
by step. You know, every time you achieve a micro level achievement, celebrate, pat yourself on the back, have a nice cup of tea, have a sip of uh, orange juice, whatever it is, celebrate, go and dance, whatever rocks your boat, celebrate every step of the way because the more you celebrate, the more your genius will want to come out. I hope this video has been useful for you. This is something, you know, I strongly believe that every single one of us are here on the planet to make a difference. That includes you, my friend. The challenge is, are you going to let your past programming, your past experiences dictate your destiny? Or are you going to be someone who steps forward, taps into your creativity and be the master of the your own destiny and be the master of the destiny of others through your legacy? Thanks for watching. Make sure you share and like and I will see you tomorrow. Bye for now.